1: LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
2: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Hello and welcome to episode 153 of the Love Life Connection podcast. I'm so excited that you're listening in to this episode and I think it's gonna be a really hot topic for a lot of women. I know a lot of women get to the first date and then that dance to get to the next date can feel like the struggle in many ways. Um, So I'm excited about the topic of this episode. And Just to remind you that if you're listening to this episode, make sure you're subscribed to the Love Life Connection wherever you listen to podcasts. That way, you get an automatic notification when I drop a new episode, which is every Thursday, unless there's a fifth Thursday of the month, in which case I take that Thursday off. So the first and third Thursdays of every month, you can expect to see a podcast coaching call. The second Thursday will be a solo episode with moi, and then the fourth episode I invite on a guest expert to share something that they're an expert about that I am definitely not an expert in. All right. So before we get to today's episode, I've just got one more reminder for you. And that is new year, new boo is coming up. So I'm really not a fan of the sentiment of new year, new you. Because what does that say about you? Or what does that suggest that something's wrong about you that you need to make a new you because the old you wasn't good or was broken or whatever. I'm just not a big fan, but I am a big fan of puns. So instead of a new year, new you workshop, we're doing a new Year your new boo. And during this workshop, I'm going to help you to figure out exactly what your blocks are um, and what's preventing you from attracting a healthy um, long-term partnership, and then help you to begin to craft a plan to clear that. It takes a little bit longer than a 60-minute workshop to begin to clear it, but you'll certainly have the foundation after our workshop together later this, well, actually next week at the time of this recording. So originally, the workshop was going to be on the 16th and 17th of January, but our Our stuff came a little later than expected, which means I'm gonna be spending a good part of that week unpacking, settling in, getting organized. And instead of trying to do that and host a really powerful transformative workshop, I just am afraid I'm not gonna really be able to hold the space for both. So I'm spending a lot of this week getting unpacked and preparing for the workshop so that next week I can be 100% present to hold the space for the transformation that this workshop can allow for. So if you haven't joined us already, make sure you head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash new year. If you did already sign up for the original workshop time, you don't need to do anything else. You are good to go. But if you haven't signed up, lucky you, you have a few extra days to make sure that you register. There are a couple different time options, um, just to accommodate as many time zones as possible. So just know that if you live in Europe or Australia, then there is something that will work for you. And you can head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash new year to sign up and register. And that's when I'll also be sharing with you the exact times. Um, I can share the times now, but it's just going to bog down all the information in this episode. Okay, so I will see you at New Year, New Boo. I'm also opening the line up to do some coaching there. So if you want to be coached by me, then um, make sure that you reply to any of the emails I send and let me know. I'm going to coach about two women or so each call. Um, So there's definitely plenty of spots. um, If you are wanting to be coached and I can coach you on something that came up for you during the workshop. I can coach you on something that's going on in your personal life, even if you're not sure and you're just like, I'm just feeling stuck. I don't even know what to ask. That's a perfect question and I can work with that. Okay, so enough of that. Let's get on to today's episode. And as I alluded earlier in the episode, I mentioned that my caller, Michelle, is struggling with getting to the second date. And I also just want to preface that I've known Michelle for a while. She's in the Love Action Tribe. And when we first started working together, she was struggling to get to the first date. And so now she's getting the first dates, And now it's just about getting, you know, progressing beyond that. So we are making um progress. But now there's just some other stuff coming up that are just making that dance from the first date or the third date or whatever, um a little bit tricky. So I'm sure many of you can relate to this. She has great first dates and then either gets ghosted or... <clears throat> Maybe perhaps sabotages the chances of another date because her anxiety and stress and belief that he's just not interested and all that kind of stuff is getting the best of her. Uh, So the second date or third date or whatever it is never really happens. So if you can relate to any of that in any part of the way, then I know that you're going to love, love this episode. So here's what I want you to consider as you're listening into my coaching call with Michelle Do you have a lot of one date wonders? And do you obsess over the texting or when you'll see someone again right after the first date, maybe even before the first date is even over? Do you have a habit of getting your sense of worth or confidence from others, and especially from men in relationships? Have you done tons and tons of inner child work and mindset work, but you're still not seeing the shifts on the ground? And what's your soul's path? What are you on this earth to do for yourself and to do for others? So keep this question in mind as you listen into my call with Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to the show.
0: How can I help you?
1: Hi. Uh, I was wondering if you could talk to me today and give me a little bit of advice about starting relationships. Um, I've been doing some of the online apps recently, and um, I'm finding that I'm getting the first date um, after some time, um, but I'm really struggling with getting past the first date.
0: Okay. And is there a certain situation that created this question or is just like a pattern you experience? It's a the, pattern that background. I experience.
1: I, I realize that one of the big things is that I'm really scared that they're ghosting me. So if we have a pattern um, or a pacing of like texting a lot, and then we have the first date and then they don't text me later that evening or all the next day by the following day. So like two days out after the first date, I think they're ghosting me. Um, and I've actually like, kind of like politely said to people like, you know, did I say something or whatever, like two days out and they'll say, no, I was really busy. And this last person who I'm talking to, I learned to sit on my hands and not immediately ask him if he was ghosting. Um, but he did text me, I think like at 11 AM the day after the first date. But now we're kind of, we've been trying to text back and forth a little bit about setting up the second date. Um, and He's kind of vanished. Like he hasn't talked to me for more than twenty-four hours. And the guy that I was previously going to go on a first date with um, um, over the winter holidays, we were supposed to meet for a second date, and then he just faded out. Like he didn't follow through. He actually okay. did go. Through. Okay. 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 So you have a pattern
0: then of um, yeah, attracting people who kind of just vanish. Yeah. How does it feel in your body when you're um, when you're like going through that panicky of like, oh man, are they ghosting? Are they, you know,
1: yeah, te-
0: what's, what does it it's feel ter-
1: like? It's terrible. I feel anxious. I feel heavy in my chest. Um, I okay. carry most of my stress in my neck and my shoulders, but definitely through my chest area, I'm anxious. I have a hard time focusing on work. Um, it's just very distracting until I get that text following up. Sometimes I'm not even sure if I want to go out with the guy again, but the idea that someone may be ghosting me is just, it's just difficult. I guess it's hard on my ego.
0: Okay. Okay. So I'm going to take wild guess here and it's not really that wild of a guess, but this isn't just about people ghosting you yeah. or not having a second date, right? Yeah. So right. what, if you had to guess and maybe you already know, what do you think this is really about? Like, what does this remind you of?
1: This reminds me, I have thought about it a lot, and and, and um, this reminds me of when I was a little girl, and my parents were actually exceptional about giving me a lot of love and affirmation, but my dad's parents, who babysat me a lot, um, they loved my older brother. He was the first boy in the family who they really loved of all the cousins, and I came along um, a number of years after that, and um, no matter what I did, my grandparents would always compare me to my big brother. And so like, I would start to like, try to win like a piano contest or, you know, win the spelling bowl at school or something to like show grandma and grandpa, like, look what I did. I won, you know, this big award and they would still, no matter what, just always compare me to my older brother and tell me that he was the best and, and that I could never live up to it. And so literally. And it was a blessing and a curse. My mom sat me down after a year or two of watching me trying to win over their affections, and she said, "Honey, no matter how hard you try, Grandma and Grandpa are always going to think that your brother is is more special than you are. They play favorites, and it's not fair. Um, but that's just the way it is. And it's it's hurting me to watch you trying so hard." to win over, win your grandparents over. Um, so I know that that has stayed with me for a long time. And I also remember like with a friend once, like not wanting to let her go. This is like around the end of sixth grade when she had to go home at the end of the day. Like, like I didn't want her to leave. I was really worried that she was gonna like start hanging out with the other girls in our neighborhood more than me. And I remember my mom having to say like, Pam, she needs to go home now.
0: Okay. Okay. Why do you think that the thing with the grandparents is related to the second date anxiety?
1: I think that with my grandparents, that's when I started like really, really needing like validation from outside, you know, like other people telling me that, that I'm okay. I'm not really good at affirming from within. I've been working on that. Um, but a lot of my sense of self comes from other people, I think, instead of coming from myself. And I've worked on this for years and years and years, but I still tend to do it.
0: Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. And I mean, you've done a lot of inner child work, so we don't necessarily need to to go there. I think what is more powerful for you is to reframe everything. Okay. Because I think you created a story of this is just what happens. And so then you just make it happen because you're yeah. a really good manifester. We're all yeah. good manifestors. That's the thing is like, we think that, oh, I want to be a better manifester. I want to learn how to manifest. But the thing is, is that we're already manifesting and we often manifest what we don't want because we live in fear and limiting belief,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: right? So so when you were six years old, let's just go back there for a second. When you were six years old and your grandparents were favoring your brother, you said six years old, right?
1: Yeah, I was like sixth grade with my friend and I was younger with my grandparents. Okay. 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 So what's a story that you created about yourself? I think when I was that little girl, I just kept thinking, what's wrong with me? You know, like I just kept thinking if I can win this piano contest or if I can like, you know, do something really clever or say the right thing to my grandma or ask her the right questions about her childhood, like she'll realize that I'm special too. And so I was always trying to, like, convince them that I was, like, special and that they should, like, see that I'm, like, a great granddaughter. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I really did need my mom to say, stop it, because I think it was really painful for her to watch me trying to win over their approval. And she was intuitive enough to realize what I was trying to do, and she talked to me about it. But um, the weird And what thing shifted is, for you? What, what shifted for you, though, after you had your conversation with your mom? N- nothing except... Well, the notion, of course, that life isn't fair, which we all, you know, try to hang on to. But I, I think obviously, I must have rejected my mom's message because I continue to really need other people's approval, um, whether it's something to do with work or it's um, something to do with my personal life. And I don't, I don't do this with friendships anymore. I'm really lucky. I have incredible friendships. There are many of them. They're very deep. I make friends, female friends in particular, very easily. I'm a little bit more awkward with men. If they're colleagues, I'm great, especially if they're married, because there's no like weird energy going on there. Um, I'm unguarded and I'm open with them. But when it comes to dating, um, and I know it's this narrative of this failure failure to launch, but I feel like I can, I'm continuing to have it. Even after I have these great first dates, you know where they say I, I really loved getting to know you and I really want to see you again, and then they just kind of fade out. Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but what I want to get, okay, there's okay, there's a couple of things that and that I want to that I want to dive in with you. So, okay, the first thing is, I think that what happened, or what I think we could say is ha- what happened is. When your mom had the conversation, you were able to literally just shut it down when it came to your grandmother, yeah, or your grandparents, whatever. But what programming or messaging didn't get through is this is just true, like in all of life, not just with grandma, yeah. And I think a reason why it's being replicated in just romantic partnerships and not friendships or co working relationships is just the intimacy of a. Um, of a romantic partner and that we make it mean so much and I think this is more of like not just you I think it's more of society but we just make it mean so much more like society like puts so much value and weight on a woman's relationship status mm-hmm. right so there definitely is is that going on too talk to me a little bit more about this friend
1: the friend from sixth grade Mm-hmm. Um, It was a really weird thing because she was my best friend, um, like fifth and sixth grade. Her mom did ask for her to be put into a different class when we were going into sixth grade because she thought we were too close. Like she thought it wasn't healthy for her daughter. They had just moved to our neighborhood in fifth grade and her mom wanted her to make other friends. And I knew that. My mom told me that. So maybe I was reacting to my friend's mom and the fear that I was going to lose this friend. Um, because I don't think that I had a best friend before her and she only moved to town in fifth grade. So it must've been at that point, maybe that was like my most intimate relationship aside from my parents. And I was scared of losing her. Mm-hmm. There was also this really popular girl in our neighborhood who had this huge pool party and she didn't like me and she didn't invite me. And it's so dorky, you know, it was elementary school, but it was really upsetting. And she wrote like on the walls or something like, um, Michelle stinks. And I went home and told my mom and she, my mom gave me a marker and was like, go right on a stop sign. Like Patty stinks. And I was shocked. Like I thought it was like such an inappropriate thing for my mom to do, but that really stayed with me too. this sense of like Patty being the popular person with the big pool in the neighborhood and Gretchen was invited. My friend was invited and everybody else, all the other girls were, but for whatever reason, Patty didn't like me and i think that stuff okay. kind of stuck with me right okay so what did you make of that mean oh gosh that i wasn't you know good enough to be included in patty's pool party you know that i wasn't popular mhm but um I, I i still can't get over kind of how shocking my mom's suggestion of what i should do was and i don't know I, um just a sense at that time that I didn't know how to know. Why was
0: that shocking?
1: Why was that shocking? Not mm-hmm. saying it wasn't, but I just want to know, yeah. like, why? Um, well, first of all, writing on a stop sign—I was just like, "Mom, what? I can't write on a stop sign." You know, um, <laughs> I just thought it was a really bold action. And my mom is a very proud person, and I'm not. Um, and I'm a very conflict adverse person when it comes to relationships, and I just kind of like to let things like smooth over i'm not very good at confronting people so that whole thing just completely blew me away because i felt like my mom was asking me to do something that was super confrontational um and very public and i didn't want it to be that public that i was hurting that badly
0: mm-hmm. okay okay so let's let's circle this back because a pattern that i've been noticing and also just because i i know you outside of this call is that you have a pattern mm-hmm. <laughs> of just saying, I'm this kind of person. Yeah. I'm that kind of person. Yeah. Um, and you're very, very attached to the stories. I am you're very, very attached to the stories. Yeah. And so what I want to do is, so when we're looking at like transformation, there's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, right? Like the mm-hmm. emotional inner child work, you know that you've got yes. that, you've got the tools. Um, yes, there's always another layer to dig and say, oh, there's that connection too. Like, okay, yes, we know that. So that goes without yeah. saying, right? Yeah. So right now I see that a lot of this is gonna evolve on the mental realm. But I think what I'm seeing is there's a disconnect between the mental and the emotional right now because you're doing a lot of child work, but yet you're still staying really attached to the story. And I think what can help bridge that gap is bringing some of the spiritual realm. Yeah, I,
1: I believe it. You know, I, I journal a ton. I'm always in my head. I'm an over and like I think things over and over and over again. So I do agree with you that there's some disconnect between my head and my heart, or my head and my spirit. Like I'm just not getting mm-hmm. the lesson. Like I get it intellectually, but I can't seem to bring about the change in me. So that whether it's this person who I've had the first date with, whether we go out again on Saturday or not. Um, even though it's been a while since I've heard from him or it's the next person. You're right. There's a disconnect there.
0: Okay. Okay. So what do you do? uh, What do you do in your life that you know is just like your calling you were born to do it? My job.
1: Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. I'm really, I'm, I'm really, really good at my job. I'm very intuitive at meeting people where they are. I know that I'm good at my job because, um, the people that I work with come back to tell me years later that I've made a profound impact on their lives. And so it's always been my safe place. Work has always been where I've excelled. Um, I've excelled beyond my wildest dreams professionally. I never thought I would be as successful as I am today. Um, And that's my safe place. That's my call. Okay. Okay. And what is it about the work? Like, what do you do? Like, I I, I know you're a teacher, but what do you do? Yeah. Um, So just I'm really strong at connecting with other people, um, drawing them out, um, hearing them, affirming what they're feeling, what they're going through, um, helping them with life experiences that they might be having, whether it's, um, you know, losing a parent or um, making a difficult decision. I'm really, really good at that. I'm really good at, at hearing them and being present. I'm also very loyal and I stay connected with a a lot of um, them after they leave and they come back and they talk to me. And so I'm very connected to others and um, I'm strong at mentoring. Like I'm a really strong mentor. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how do
1: you give yourself this gift? How do I give myself the gift? This gift. This gift that you were born with? Oh, it's just there, right? Like it's, you know, I I don't know that I was that great when I began my career like 30 years ago. It evolved very gradually. In the beginning, I didn't really know what I was doing. And I, I just, I kind of fumbled around for a while. But over time, I see, I think I see what you're asking me. Over time, I began to lean into my instincts. And I stopped kind of imitating other individuals in my profession who I admired, and I just started trusting my gut. And once I started trusting my gut, and I moved away from like, all the teaching in college about how to do my profession well, all that fell away.
0: Yeah, yeah. So let's even take this from like an even higher bird's eye perspective. So we're like going a little higher. And we know how you're so from a spiritual perspective, karma is what you were born with into this world is like the lesson that you need to learn or overcome, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Unlike popular opinion or a popular culture, it's not what goes around, comes around, that's not yeah. <laughs> not karma. Um, dharma is like where you're headed. It's like your soul purpose, your soul plan. so um and so what I want to do is you know we we know like how your soul's purpose operates in your career,
1: mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you see that,
0: yep how does your soul's purpose operate in your personal life and other parts of your life?
1: I think definitely with friends, it's very much the same thing. I think I'm a very giving friend. I'm very loyal. Um, I'm a very warm person. People trust me um, and they know what I'll be there for them by their side. They know they can call me at three o'clock in the morning. If something devastating happens to them. Um, for some reason, I haven't been able to manifest that into a romantic life. I was married briefly and I've had a handful. Okay, wait, wait, I'm going to, I'm going to stop you. We're Getting in the
0: story, getting in the story. So what I'm
1: going to actually have you do is I'm going to have you close your eyes.
0: Okay. Because you're still answering from a very intellectual place. Can you feel that?
1: Yeah, I do that. Okay. Okay.
0: So what I want you to do, and this is going to sound counterintuitive to basically everything that I've said so far, but just bear with me for a second, is I want you to actually, when you think of the story that you tell yourself, haven't been able to get this to work, failure to launch, you know, on match or whatever, for however many years, whatever. Right. So I actually want you to feel that in your body. It might feel a little heavy, you might get some feelings of anxiety and that's, that's fine. I want you to lean into that. Okay. And keeping your eyes closed instead of, you know, just riffing on what your story is. What I want you to do is just let one piece of your story arise to the surface and then share with me how that actually makes you a stronger, desirable partner for someone. My story? So what you're going to do is, you know, you're not going to say that what the, well, what you're going to do is just like one part of your story comes up, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. let, let's say one part of the story is, well, I've been on match for 15 years or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. That's the story that you've told yourself. Yeah. So, you're gonna say, "Da da da da," right? Been a match 15 mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. and this helps me to become a better partner because this helps this it me. It makes better. me. Yeah, I think. But I makes... want you to close. What I want you to do is, I want you to keep your eyes closed. Okay. And just let one little piece come up at a, at a time as it comes up. So as much as possible, I want this to come from your gut and not trying to like intellectualize or fish around for like a piece of your story. So even if something comes up and you have no clue as to how okay. it makes it makes you more desirable or, um, you know, a better partner, that's fine. Like, let it come up and then we'll work with that. Does that make sense? Okay. It does. So.
1: Okay, so am yeah. ready. I'd say the first word that comes up is probably um, compassion. Um, I think part of why I gel so well with other people is because I've, I've been where they've been.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Disappointment. You know, um, thinking that there might be something there, maybe future tripping, and then the person sort of drifting away, or because he doesn't follow through in a timely manner, my trying to make something happen. So, really being so that's tapped. That's the story, into- right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, yeah, so that's
0: the story. Feelings so of So, that's the story. That's good. It came up. So, how does that? how how is that
1: actually a gift like the story that you tell yourself this thing that keeps happening how is that a gift yeah um I think it's a gift because it helps me to empathize with others Mm -hmm. I really do I think grace I'm learning to give myself grace um and not to be so hard on myself. Mm. Yeah. Anything else coming up? Frustration. That's the story. Yeah. How is that a gift? Hmm. I'm not sure. Again, maybe I'm being empathetic when I see my friends and my colleagues, my people at work, feeling frustrated. Again, being able to empathize.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you feel complete, you can open your eyes. Okay. How is that? Good. So in life, (laughs) just in general, in life, there's things that happen to us which we have no control over, Mm -hmm. right? Like you and I both have no direct control over when you'll meet someone. And obviously we can't change the past, right? Right. what's done is done. But you can shift the story. Right? You can shift the story. Yes, and um and I think this is the missing link because like you do the inner child work but then something happens and it's just like habit, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I let you, you would just be so far down that rabbit hole of your story in like two seconds. Like, I'd be like, I'd be like, Michelle, where are you? Yeah, <laughs> like, I wouldn't yeah. even see you anymore, right? Yeah, right? Like, you would just, I don't even know where, how far you would be. And so part of this is just going to be a habit change, but part of this is also going to be taking like a, um, you know, that bird's eyed view and seeing like how this was actually your soul plan, because on some level you picked this life. Mm-hmm. And that is something I firmly believe about everybody. I on agree. some level, you, you picked this life, and yeah. so the disconnect is your so far inability, but you have the ability to see what the soul lessons are here, right? Like I talk a lot about soul lessons with relationships and breakups, and like sometimes it can be a little easier to see that. Um, and and it's also not just as simple as like, well, this has made me stronger, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like no, it's 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 more than that because like that no one's dharma is just to like be stronger. Yeah I mean just being being strong is like overrated. Sometimes we just need to like cry and fall apart and all that kind of stuff. Um but um but I'm not sure that you're connected with your dharma and your soul's purpose here. And I think that if you can get connected with that, then it will um then it will bring these frustrations and in dating into perspective mm-hmm. and allow you to operate from a place of your highest self,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Because when you feel a guy slipping away, maybe, and, and it could be real or imagined, right? It yeah. could be real or imagined. 100%. When you feel a guy slipping away, who is calling the shot? Is it, is it you or is it your sixth grade year old self? However you are right? yeah. 10 years old in sixth yeah. grade. Yeah. right like it's a 10-year-old self yeah right and and so um your 10-year-old self started to learn at a very young age that life isn't fair and she made a belief in that moment that love essentially had to be earned
1: Mm -hmm. yeah that's true and
0: I don't know maybe that's the karma you were born with and that's your soul's purpose and that's what you're here on this earth to do because if I'm being you know if I'm being um honest my guess is essentially what you do with your students is you teach them their greatness
1: yeah I do or let them see their own greatness yeah I do so you think my dharma is that To learn that you don't have to earn other people's love, you don't have to perform in order to earn people's love. Yeah,
0: like you don't have to like act a certain way or look a certain way or be a certain way or make certain grades or or whatever. Only you can know that, but like to me, that's where a lot of the roads seem to be leading. Yeah, Um, and. Um, and it doesn't mean that like it's going to be smooth sailing from here on out, but it does mean that when something gets frustrating or there's a bump or there's just a lack of a text or whatever mm-hmm. it is, um, you know, you can just operate in a place from your yourself self and maybe it allows you to create more boundaries. Like maybe you just create a boundary of like, you know what? No texting between dates.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's not a bad rule to have because then it just makes the dates a little more Fun and you can more and like you don't know as much so you have more to talk about and there's more anticipation I don't know like maybe that's not for you but yeah,
1: maybe having awesome.
0: some maybe like some boundaries like that and that way you're just not so obsessing but it also just comes from a place of like highest self of you know I don't need to get a text from him every hour on the hour in mm-hmm. order to feel good
1: mm-hmm.
0: or to feel a certain way
1: yeah that makes sense to me yeah.
0: So you have two big takeaways here. The first is I want you to do some journaling on what your Dharma and and like what your soul's purpose is here to do. And the reason why I asked about your job at first is because I know you're very skilled and committed to the work that you do. So I knew there was gonna be a hint there as to what your your dharma is. And that's very common. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to a client and, you know, the work they do is just like so related to like what, you know, their spiritual soul path, soul lesson, whatever you want to call it is yeah. in, in life. Um, and so it's always a hint. And so for people listening too, like, that's always a hint, right? Like where you, maybe it's not your career. Maybe it's like somewhere else that you just feel like so in, in alignment. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Um, And then I think another thing, and this is going to be more onto the physical level, like once you kind of see the bird's eye view, but then bringing it down to like the day-to-day, what does scared 10-year-old self do? And what does higher self Michelle do? Mm Mm-hmm. And then you literally just have like a list. And then I would suggest putting this on something like your notes app on your phone or something. So that when you're feeling like that panic or that trigger, um, you're like, okay, this is what, you know, this is what my highest
1: self would do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like. I
0: like that a and, lot. And, and like, yeah. And, and this practicality of it, it has a huge, it's really, really powerful to do in conjunction with the spiritual work to see like the bird's eye view. Um, you know, I had a private client once and, um, I would say like maybe similar situation to, to what you're asking. And, um, you know, she's a private client. So we were, she was showing some of me, some of the texts that they were going back and forth. And, you know, I was like, honestly, if someone sent me that, I probably wouldn't respond either. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then when she was able to take a step back, she could see, oh yeah, that was definitely like my ten-year-old self who was scared of being left out from the kids yeah. in school acting. Yeah. And so, you know, the woo-woo you can definitely very much tie to the practicality in the day-to-day, but you've got to know like where the actions are coming from and like what's the real story behind it, um, because you can't change what happened to you, can't change what will happen to you, but you can change your beliefs about it, your story about it, the emotions about it. And that's where you manifest from.
1: Yeah. I like that. All right. Is this helpful? It is. Yeah. Good. Good. And I've, you know, What's I've experienced small growth. To what? I've definitely experienced some growth, you know, in being in the tribe I've learned to just you know to relax quite a bit compared to how I used to be yeah I need to yeah. keep working on it yeah yeah great great well thank you so much for coming on to the show I hope this is helpful it sure was thank you so much Veronica
2: Thank you so much to Michelle for coming on to the show. As always, you guys know, I'm so grateful for the women who come on to the show because I know that what they're asking are questions you're also asking yourself too. And I know for a fact that getting beyond the first date and dealing with that dance of the text and when a second date going to be is a thing. And I know a lot of you all struggle with that. So thank you. Thank you so much to Michelle for that question. So let's go back over this call so I can really pull out some of the important parts for you so you can apply some super, super tangible action steps to your life. So right off the bat, it became super, super clear to me that Michelle being ghosted or rejected by the men she hardly knew was triggering something way deeper than just simply not getting the text or being ghosted. Now, here's the thing. I've said this on the show before, and I'll probably say it again, but Being disappointed or being sad or being hurt is not necessarily being triggered, right? Like, even if you just had fun on a first date and you didn't get the call back or the text back that you were hoping for the second date, then yeah, that is going to hurt. That is going to sting a little bit. But the way that Michelle was talking about it and her reaction to it was telling me that this was a lot more than just a first date not happening, that this was actually bumping up against something deeper, aka a deep um, or core wound. And so that's how I knew she was getting triggered and that something else was going on. Now, a lot of times in my show, I will go to back and do inner child work with the women who come onto the show. But Michelle has done a ton of inner child work. She's in the Love Action Tribe. So I didn't really want to hang out there too long because i she knows how to do it. Yes, is there something we could have uncovered by doing some of that together? I'm sure. And if we we're working over the longer term, that's definitely what I would have done. But for this moment, for this podcast episode, I thought it was more helpful to look at something else because, frankly, she has a lot of the tools that she needs in order to do the inner child work. And in fact, I don't even think connecting with her inner child is necessarily the problem. I think what the bigger issue was the disconnect between the emotional slash spiritual work she is doing when it comes to her inner child and the mental level, because she can tell herself all the right things and she can be super, super sweet and kind and loving to her inner child and do all the stuff. But if there's a disconnect as to how these two pieces of healing work together, then you're going to kind of find yourself where Michelle is, which is doing the work and, and like generally feeling better. But then the second you get triggered or in an uncomfortable situation, then boom, you know, it's it's as if, um, you know, you're almost right where you started. Now, I know that's not the case for Michelle, but it certainly can feel like that. And I'm sure she's felt like this before. And maybe you have as as well. So I think a, um, a big thing for the a big part of the disconnect for her was the lack of seeing the bigger picture. And I think spirituality can actually really help to connect the two. So notice that I asked her what she does in her work. And I knew what she did in her work. So I knew this is the way I wanted to go with her. And I also wanted to know more about why the work she does is her soul calling because she's very passionate about her work. She's very successful in her work. She's very good at her work. She can see, I mean, she's so much more than a teacher for these students and it's very easy for her to see that. And so that's why I immediately went there and asked her more about that and see if we could relate to some of those soul lessons um, into her personal life so that she can see that on some level, she chose this life. And so she's been able to really learn and be on her soul path in her career, but she hasn't been able to do that in her personal life. And I think by seeing her personal life as also a chosen path for her, and that there are soul lessons, just like there were soul lessons in her career life, then it'll be easier to connect the inner child, um, the work she's doing there, and the mental, like getting not being attached to the story, all that kind of stuff will all begin to um, blend together, so she can see her, you know, each. Trial and tribulation, if you will, as just a part of her larger story. So you can see once you begin to clear a lot of this stuff up and connect the inner child with the thoughts that are going through your mind and your beliefs, and see what your spiritual path or your soul path is in this world, then it's so much easier to discern your action and ask yourself, okay, from where is this desire to send this text coming from? Or from where? is this anxiety coming from? Is this my 10-year-old self or am I sending this text out of fear or is it out of love or is it out of genuine curiosity or whatever it is? But when you can begin to see the bigger picture from a spiritual perspective, I think it's a lot, lot easier to make conscious decisions to act from your highest self. Now, just one more thing. If you're new to this kind of work, if you're new to my work, then this is not your first step. I took Michelle through this process because she's done a lot of the inner work. Now, it's not like you ever graduate from the inner work and then you're done forever. No, but she's got a really strong foundation of doing a lot of the deeper core wound healing and emotional work. And so she's ready to now see the bigger picture of what her life path is, why she chose this life and what her soul plan is. And here's the thing, a lot of times people want to skip this inner work step and and jump straight to the soul lessons or the bigger picture and all that kind of stuff. But when you do that, you're doing something that's called spiritual bypassing. Which means you're not really feeling through your feelings or feeling through your old wounds. And you're just going straight for, you know, the stuff that a lot of us want to work on, which is the soul lesson so that you can then change, you know, your actions in real time. But when you do that, the problem is, is that patterns will continue to repeat themselves because maybe when you're not in a triggering situation, you're feeling good. You've got a clear sense of you know, this or that, but then the second you don't get that text back, or the second he seems to be pulling away or ghosting or whatever it is, it just feels like your world is falling apart. And that's a huge sign that you're spiritual bypassing because you're not actually healing the core wound that's causing that, you know, emotional spiral to happen in the first place. So this is a really, really great stuff to do. If you've done some inner child work, if you're in the tribe, if you've done inner child work elsewhere with a therapist, another coach, things like that, then begin looking at the spiritual big picture if you're still not seeing the, the uh, change that you would like to see. And just before we wrap up, I just want to give you some super, super practical tips for handling the dance between the first and second date, second or third date, or whatever it is and beyond. So the first thing is to check your text. If you're about to send a text to somebody, how would you feel if you got this text? Would you want to respond? Would you feel like the other person was interested in you? Would you go out on a limb, in other words, to respond back or to continue pursuing the relationship or asking for another date? And I know it might feel like, oh yeah, of course, I definitely you know don't do that. But I've worked with a lot of clients, and a lot of times they send me their text change, and I will get you know they'll send me a picture. I screenshot of her text, and I'm like, "Just so you know, if I got this text, and I'm just speaking for personal, my my personal experience or my personal belief, but if I got this text, I wouldn't feel very good, and I wouldn't respond positively, if at all, to the text you're about to send or the text you did send." And so, just really be really, really honest with yourself. If you're in the tribe, then use us in the group and you know, run some text by us. If you've got a support system, run some text by some other people. But how would you feel if you got the text that you are about to send? And another thing you might want to consider is, this is not for everyone, but you might want to consider is, can you create a no texting rule between dates or at least some other limitation to texting? Maybe just like a quick good morning or a quick evening, hey, how was your day type of thing? But none of this ongoing thing because then that just sets an expectation of constant texting and that's just not sustainable. No relationship is just constantly texting like that back and forth. I've been married to my husband for five years or we've been together for five years and I've we we don't do that. You know, no one has time for that. And so of course it's naturally going to taper off and when you're in the beginning of a relationship that tapering off can definitely feel like the pull away or the ghosting or whatever it is and that's when you can begin to panic and that's when you can begin to sabotage what could potentially be there. So instead, can you create a rule of no texting or just a few texts in the evening or in the morning just to say hi and see how the other one is doing? The next thing I would do is avoid asking questions or making statements that would put someone in a corner. Now, we've all been guilty of this. So just it's fine. It's we've all done it before. But what I'm talking about is things like, are you just not that interested in me? Or did I do something wrong? Or, um, you know, what's what's going on here. You're basically just pushing the person into the corner rather than asking for what you want. Now it's totally fine to be like, hey, I'm, you know, really interested or I had a fun time on our date, but I'm not really hearing from you very much and it makes me sad because I just really got enjoyed getting to know you or something like that. That's very different than saying something, did I do something wrong? Or are you not interested in me? And that's going to put someone into a corner and no one's going to feel comfortable. And that kind of goes back to my first point, which is how would you feel if you got this text? So instead of saying those questions or statements that would put someone into a corner, just instead, start with I statements and share how you feel and what you're desiring and go from there. And the final thing is, remember that men are also scared to be rejected. We sometimes forget that. We I don't know if we just think that men aren't human or what, but you may feel like you've you. You know, for you, you have to remember that it's so obvious to you that you want another date and that you want to see him again, right? Because that's all you can think about. And you're so close to your emotions that, of course, it seems true and obvious for you. But to him, it may not be so obvious. And what you thought were some obvious hints might not be obvious hints for whatever reason. And so I'm a huge fan of just saying what you want, like, hey, I would love to see you again. Because you can't lose that way. Cause yeah, you, you might not, he might not be interested in seeing you again, or he might not text back or whatever it is, but then at least you can just know and move on rather than like this back and forth dance of whether it's just like texting without serious plans to meet again, or just the wondering or whatever it is. So just remember that men are scared to be rejected too. And so why don't you go on a limb and just be like, Hey dude, if you ask me out, I am not going to say no. And, I know you're probably not going to say it like that, but you could certainly suggest like if you want him to ask you out, and I get sometimes women want that, then suggesting getting together or what you would want to, you know, what you, maybe there's like a movie or a show you want to go see and like, oh, it'd be fun to go see that together or something like that. Just dropping hints, um, that will allow him to know that you won't say no if you ask him out. Or honestly, this is 20 freaking 19 now. So just ask him out too. I asked, uh, Stevie out on our first date and now we're married. So there we are. All right, my dears, that is enough for this episode. I will be back next week and I'm inviting a really good friend onto the show. She's had an incredible story and journey on her way to love and I can't wait for you to hear her story. She went from codependency and you know, lots of unhealthy relationships to being married and having a kid all in a pretty short amount of time. And she believes that it can happen pretty quickly if you really put in the work. And so she's going to share her story next week. I'm so excited about it. And I can't wait for you to meet her. And just one last reminder about New Year, New Boo. We are kicking off next week. So if you're not in the workshop yet, head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash new year, and you can sign up for free there. And there's also a clickable link. In the show notes, so just go to whatever podcast player you're listening on, and you should be able to tap um, New Year, New Boo, and that will pull up the sign up page. And finally, if you love this episode, if you love this show, please take a moment to leave a quick rating or a review. All you have to do is just scroll down your podcast player, tap the stars, and if you have 30 extra seconds, leave a quick review. And it really helps me to grow this show. So thank you, thank you so much, and I will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. remember... Remember this. Wherever you are is exactly where you need to be. You aren't broken, you don't need to be fixed, and even if you've never had the relationship you want before, it doesn't mean you can't have it now.
1: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.